Hi, y'all. It's Angela Profit. We're back for another episode on Business Unveiled. And I'm so excited about today's episode because this is something that has been kind of new to myself and my team over the years. We have been learning about lead gen and about strategy. And it's something that I actually love because it really has to do with a lot of psychology, which is my whole background. And I'm fascinated by habitual things that people will do. It's almost like a game now. And so today I'm going to interview an awesome, awesome media person. I'm so excited. I am talking with Lauren Powell. She's the founder and owner of Bixa Media. And so if you are new in your business or you've had your business for 20 years and you're thinking about, hmm, I might need a facelift because all this stuff didn't exist. Like when I personally started my business, social media didn't exist. Sales funnels didn't exist. And like, we might go a little geeky on you today. Um, but if you have questions, like we are here to help, we want to lift up the creative community and the wedding industry and the, the events industry. So they are brought into this day and time of what is lead generation and how to actually qualify your leads online. And yeah, like we talk about it a little bit, but like, what is the real strategy? So for me to be able to talk with Lauren today and actually have like an expert and somebody that does this all the time is like super exciting. So Lauren, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Angela. I'm so thrilled to be here and I'm incredibly honored and just really excited to come here and talk about this. Yay. And like, guys, like, again, there's these buzzwords, these keywords, like qualifying and nurturing and... I know we have a lot of wedding peeps that listen, and when we think of nurturing, we don't think of nurturing online. Like, we're actually nurturing people, like, through the wedding planning process, and it's awesome because I know you're getting married soon, so we can talk about that I a little am. bit. I am. I can't <laughs> wait to hear some of your stories, like, from the whole digital stuff, but before we even, drive, like, just dive into the whole digital marketing stuff and like assets, like where did you start even before mm -hmm. this? Or did you know, like right out of school, like, okay, this is what I want to do. Like, how did this digital pathway yeah. come about <laughs> for you? Welcome to Business Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you thrive in the creative community. Here's your host, events and productivity consultant, Angela Profit. Hi, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Business Unveiled, expert tips and secrets from top creative industry professionals, where we take you behind the scenes of our past experiences in the creative industry and share with you what we have learned from them and how they have made us stronger. This podcast will help you grow a productive and profitable business to launch you into success within the creative industry. 
Today's podcast is brought to you by Vlog Easy. That is V as in victory. Vlog Easy is an app in the iTunes store for iPhones that help you make content videos as well as vlogging on the go to share with your audience. It has absolutely transformed the way that I do video and communicate with my audience. If you are looking for an app that allows you to edit on the go, or if you simply don't know how to edit videos, this app allows you to do just that. You can record yourself in a quiet room. You don't have to remember what to say. You can simply look at your notes, and each time you're quiet and you pause, the Vlog Easy app takes all of those quiet moments out and edits everything together. It's like magic, and it saves so much. Time. Vlog Easy allows you to record in vertical or horizontal formatting. You can import existing videos that live on your phone into the app and so much more. Vlog Easy Pro gives you the unlimited cloud backup as well as removing the watermark. Give it a try for free today. The link is bit.ly bit.ly slash vlog easy in all caps vlog easy is case sensitive so be sure that you've got that caps lock on and you're putting in vlog easy in all upper case v is in victor l o g e a s y give it a try that's a great question and no it, i did not know right out of school this is what i'm doing with <laughs> Do my <we> life <laughs> um you know i went and got my MBA because I graduated in 08. Uh, jobs were a little scarce. And I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to do some more school <laughs> and like get another oh certificate. Yeah. So anyways, out of that job, I ended up working in medical devices and I was um, waiting around for people to have heart attacks in hospitals and then hoping that the doctor would use the device that I was there right. to have them try it on in patients. And, um, it was high stress for me. I'm afraid of blood. Like I, yeah, it was not the right fit, but I did it for three years. Um, I learned a lot and I really liked the marketing side of things, but I did not like everything else associated with the medical device industry. And so I ended up um, moving to train with an agency, um, a digital agency. And from there, once they offered me a job, it was a pretty terrible job offer. So I started out on my own um, shortly after that. So that's kind of how that happened. Yeah. You're like, no, thank you. I yeah. can do better. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty much. <laughs> what so happened. how did you choose like, okay, I'm going to call this Bixom media. Like, mm. Where'd that come from? Yeah. So that's another great story. And I wish it was a little, um, more intentional than what actually happened. But again, I was looking for a business name and, if you've ever started a business, sometimes that feels like the hardest part when you're first getting started. Like, what is my name going to be? And I didn't want it to be a personal brand. Um, so I was trying to decide, okay, is it going to be something that's search engine friendly, like um, digital marketing now or something like that? Or is it going to be, um, you know, a made up name? And 
really what dictated how I chose my name was whether the domain domain was available or not. So awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like going through all these names, can't figure anything out. And then I'm sitting with family and we're looking through like Wikipedia lists of plants and animals. And someone's like, Oh, what about Bixa, which is a South American fruit that has both functional properties and aesthetic properties. And I'm like, Oh, that sounds kind of cool. It's hard to, people don't know how to pronounce it, but that's okay. I can handle that. Um, Anyway, so shortly thereafter, as I'm weighing the name, I'm on a trip in Australia hiking like in the middle of nowhere and we come upon a Bixa plant and it's really distinctive. It's spiky, it's red, yeah, and like it's not native to Australia, it's South American. And so that kind of felt a bit fortuitous. I'm not a very woo-woo person, but I was like, okay, I think I think this is what the name's going to be. <gasps> that gives me chill. Like, I'm not either. I'm like, I mean, I do believe everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And I do believe that things are very purposeful and things are, and people are put into our lives at certain time for a certain reason. And so, but that gives me chills. Like, I that's know. a great story. I don't yeah. even know what that is. Like, I'm going to have to Google it and like find out what that looks like. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's red and spiky and, you know, they use it for lipstick to dye lipstick. And um, then they also have some medicinal properties. So it kind of has a cool story behind the fruit, which just happens to work out well because the domain name was available. So, you know. That's, <laughs> that's how that happened. That's awesome. And then did you also go on and check like all the social platforms to make sure it was available there too? Yeah, but it was 2011 okay. when I started. So, you know, it wasn't as crowded of a space at that point in time. Like Instagram didn't, did Instagram exist in 2011? I don't think so. Yeah. I'm like, when did that come about? Um, but, you know, it was available on Facebook and if the domain was available, there was a good chance that the social platform yeah. was available. Yeah. Well, and it's super unique. It's a unique, I mean, I've never, I, we work with a ton of different media companies and I've never heard anything like it. And when I was, I'm like, am I pronouncing it the right yeah. way? But <laughs> you, that's it's the almost, one struggle we have. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's good because it's memorable and people yeah. stop and it forces them to pay attention. And then when I hear the story about like sitting with your family and the plant and the hiking in Australia and how it's, I mean, it's just a cool story, yeah. like, and yeah. it's relatable and it's like, it was really meant to be. So we, okay. So you love marketing and the digital world. I mean, it's changed. Oh my gosh. So much probably over the past 10 years, but when you first, which I want to talk about that, but first I want to know, like when you first started out, how did you know, like, these are the clients that I want to support in digital media. Like, did you have like, I'm going to go for the creative community. I'm going to go for the medical industry or did no, you no. everybody. No, I made the same mistake at almost every early business owner makes, which is like, I know I can help people with digital marketing. So whomever wants that help, I will help. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what you quickly learn is like, Oh, maybe not the best approach, but but it gets you started. It gets clients in the door, um, gets you some testimonials. So, you know, would I go back and change that? Not necessarily because there were some great learning lessons, but yeah, it was pretty much any, any service provider um, that wanted help online. Um, I was willing to do it. And I got my first client by talking to someone at a friend's party. Um, you know, his agency wasn't doing a great job. And I was like, oh, raise my hand. I was like, Oh, I'll help you out. And, um, He's still our client to this day, eight years later. So, you know, oh, that's great. yeah, yeah, that's but, yeah. awesome. I was not focused in that kind of way, but I was also, you know, I'm 
33 now. So how old was I then? Like I, I was pretty young. Yeah. <laughs> so, like early twenties. Yeah. Yeah. So over time, as things have changed, do you feel like when you first started, were, did people kind of look at you cross-eyed, like what's digital marketing? We're still doing magazine ads. And do you, I feel like now it's much easier. People are into like, they don't understand what digital marketing means, yeah. but yeah. it's around all the time. But 10 years ago, it wasn't. So did you find it hard to tell people like, hey, quit advertising like on a billboard and in a magazine, there's no ROI in that. You can't track it. Did you have that like, oh my gosh, why aren't people catching on moment with clients or was it more e like, was it easy to get them? Yeah. You know what? It was actually pretty easy. I wish I could say it was hard, but typically who I was targeting was not someone who was brand new to the digital space. They gotcha. at least had some idea or at least had heard of at the time a big buzzword was SEO um, or people were, you know, posting blog posts like crazy um, or websites, you know, were really what people ended up coming to me for a lot um, early on. And so, yeah, it wasn't that hard. It was just people, people who kind of knew what they wanted um, they maybe didn't understand everything that was involved, but they had some idea of this is something I should be doing, even if I'm not. So I think for that reason, it wasn't, there was still a lot of client education involved, but it wasn't hard to convince someone, Hey, you should be doing this because we really weren't looking at people who were unaware gotcha. of digital marketing. Yeah. So with SEO, so search engine mm -hmm. optimization, which has been around for a while and yeah. for people who you know, they're like, I want to rank on page one on, you know, my SEO. I need mm -hmm. an SEO, SEO. Mm -hmm. Like what's your biggest nugget and point for people? Like they need to understand this about SEO. Gosh, SEO, like anything digital changes so quickly um, because you're reliant on kind of the Google algorithm. And I talk about Google because it's the biggest search engine, but you know, it could apply to Bing or Yahoo as well. Um, but I, I think quality over quantity is the best advice I can give someone. And really when we're talking about ranking, it's about, do you have quality content and do you have a lot of links built to that quality content and are they quality links? And what most, the approach most people take is they're going to publish and pray. Like I'm going to publish a post and then I'm going to pray that it ranks and they don't do any work beyond the publishing and so much of SEO comes post publishing and it's about building all those links. And it's just, it's an enormous amount of work, especially if the space is really crowded and competitive. And so sometimes I think it's more about does SEO really make sense? Do I have the resources? Do I have the time? Do I have the skill set to pursue this right now? Or are there other channels that are better for me to pursue? Um, and so if you're looking at SEO, I encourage you to look at the competitive landscape and say, is this something I'm realistically, you know, if my competitor who's ranking number one has 200 links built to that post or that article, is that something I'm really going to be able to pursue right now? And the links meaning everything is trackable, right? Uh, meaning, so basically the way that the Google algorithm works is based on kind of the old um, 
library system. So when they looked at research papers and you have all those references down at the bottom, the same books popped up over and over again because they were quality, you know, high quality references. And so basically what Google uses to determine how high you rank is if there's more other websites, third-party websites ranking, ranking, excuse me, ranking, linking to your article, then they'll say, oh, this is a higher quality piece of content than something that has zero links back to this article. And so really you're, you're trying to build um, a, a piece of content that's so high quality that people want to link to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, so it's funny because people will say to me, um, even this year, they're like, how much do you pay for your SEO? Mm-hmm. What is mm-hmm. your SEO? And how much do you spend on Google ads. And, and honestly, I'm like, I have never spent a penny on that specifically, Yeah. but over the last, I would say five or six years, I worked with a branding person who came from Dave Ramsey Mm -hmm. and who started building a content library years ago. Mm -hmm. And I worked with him for several, several years. I didn't know what the hell he was doing or I just did it. He's like, Hey, you talk a lot. Your stories are crazy and fascinating. It's entertaining. (laughs) So we're going to do a video tip series. And then he would take, and it's just like, he taught me this whole wash, rinse, repeat method, which I'm trying to teach people. Yep. But there is this word called strategy and there is a strategy behind it. And so for years, I would just do it one time and then he would take my audio. That's how we started a podcast four years ago. It was, and then he made it a book and then he made it in blog post. I mean, Uh he had a team that he worked with and Uh he is really a digital strategist, but that's not what I didn't understand. I just knew he had helped build Dave's brand and he did a really great job and he had a great team. And I knew that if I wanted to kill it in the space of weddings or creatives or whatever, whoever I was helping or serving that I needed to talk a lot and create content. And I didn't realize after, you know, he, he works with big, now he's like Oprah and Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. And I was like mm-hmm. a little fish in his pond. <laughs> And so, but after getting, I'm so appreciative of those three years because now it's almost like a child and a parent where you're like, oh, I realized why my parent was doing that now, but you didn't know what was happening Mm -hmm. at the time, Mm -hmm. but it's still incredibly difficult to explain to people that even though you're creating content, it's got to be strategic and consistent. And so what is your process when someone reaches out to you and says, Hey, I need help with SEO. I need help with content management. Like walk us through the journey of how you all work with clients and how you help them identify their goals and like achieve their goals. Yeah. So that's a really great question. So where we always start is just looking at their numbers. Um, meaning do you have any sort of um, tracking in place that we can look at to see kind of what our benchmarks are. And typically clients either do or don't have Google Analytics in place, which is a free software. You set it up once and then it kind of tracks all your website metrics from there. Um, and that's really where we start. And then we also gather some information around um, sales volume, sales revenue, lead volume. And we kind of look at, okay, what, do, what is the lay of the land right now? And then from there, we craft a plan. And really, 
typically where I like to start because we can get a lot of impact without um, an enormous amount of work is, hey, how can we improve what you're already doing before we look at new traffic channels? Because new traffic, whether it's SEO or paid advertising or social media, is a lot of work. And if we're not converting the traffic that you already have into a lead or into a customer, then there's some foundational stuff that has to be tackled first. Um, and so that's typically where we start is how can we convert more of your already existing traffic into leads and into customers or clients, whatever you refer to your, um, however you refer to your business as. Um, and we say, okay, let's start here. And then from there we'll craft a, an additional traffic plan, but that's really where we start. So if you're not doing SEO and you come and say, let's start with SEO, that's typically not what I'm going to recommend. And oftentimes what clients think they, well, what they want is not often what they need. So part Amen. of my, yeah, part of my job is listening to, Hey, I want a new website. And really what the client's saying is I want to get more business from my website. And as you may know, Angelo, creating a new website is not a small job. And if there's a way for us to get more business from their already existing website and save them some money and time, why wouldn't we recommend that path? So oftentimes it's kind of like a doctor, like you're listening to what the symptoms are, but your diagnosis might be different than what, you know, than what the client expects. And I'm sure you do that in the wedding industry all the time. As someone comes to you and has a vision and a plan and you're like, actually, I hear what you're saying, but let's go about it this way. Yeah. Well, and also too, we have um, a lot of people in the creative and the wedding space that they see what we're doing online. And mm -hmm. so they think they want what we have. And so they're like, can we just hire you to like, I mean, literally we've had people, they're like, can you just help us run Facebook ads? And mm -hmm. so I'm like, okay. Okay, um, I'm not a digital marketing service. However, like I, I'll look at it for you, but yeah. it's not that easy. And so then, I very first thing I look at their website, and it's horrible. Yeah, branding is horrible. They absolutely 100 yeah. need a facelift with yeah. their brand. And so I'm like, I would never take your money or even tell you to spend one penny on Facebook or Instagram or anywhere until you invest in your brand first and you, you can run ads to a landing page, but, uh, and then they don't even, they don't understand what that no, is. And so no. I'm like, well, a temporary fix, and it really is a band aid, people to put up a landing page, to run some ads while you're in the process of building another website. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, it, you're shooting yourself in the foot for driving traffic to a website. And then we get a lot of people that actually do work with digital agencies and then they don't get the return and, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and then like, they'll hear me speak or talk or somewhere and they're like, well, you you're, it, whatever you're doing is working. And so it, they're upset. So like one, um, event planner, I'll never forget. This was years ago. She's like, I'm running this ad like this Christmas in July. And so look, she's like, look at the numbers. People are clicking on it. And, but it's not, they're not converting. They're not contacting me. I'm like, well, your ad's going to your website, which scrolls through pictures of weddings. It has oh nothing God. to do with Christmas or yeah. holiday. Your ad has to match yeah. where people are clicking because it causes confusion. And then they think they're on the wrong link. So there's all this psychology behind it. And people think that it's just easy and yeah. like it, 
it's not hard, but there's a lot of mental thought process that connects everything on the back end to make sure it's set up correctly. And I'm actually looking at your website and I love how you're like, do you want more business from your website? (laughs) And when people are like, well, how much does it cost to build a website? And so my question back, I know people are like, I hate it when you ask a question with a question, um, (laughs) is how much money do you want your website to make you? And if they're like, well, (laughs) I don't know. I'm like, okay, well, I need you to think about that. Because if you tell me your website needs to make you $200,000 a year, then that tells me that you need to invest at least 10% of what you want your sales to be. And then, you know, people do the math real fast. They're like, I'm not spending 20,000. I'm like, well, that's actually not a lot. And and so you have to invest. It takes money to make money. Um, So when people come to you and you look at their digital assets, which Mm -hmm. is online stuff, Mm -hmm. do you help them? understand like, okay, your consistency online and everything, every time someone Googles your company, these are all the digital assets. Like, how do you explain that like to people so they understand what digital assets really are? Yeah. So I'll kind of share my little, my secret hack here. Um, Most of the time people come to us saying, I want a new website and, and oftentimes they need one, but I, um, couch that or I add some things on to help them build a stronger foundation with that website redo, which is essentially um, some sort of lead magnet and and sales funnel from a landing page, an automated email sequence. And then we just get, I make sure they have 90 days worth of email marketing going out. So there's some sort of consistent content that's reaching their leads. even if it's not being published on the site, but that, hey, someone's reached out to you and, and said they're interested in your services in some way, shape, or form, let's stay in touch with them. And so I kind of, I like to package a website redo with these other things that they need, but they're not ever going to say, hey, I want that right now. And that's how they start to see some really great results um, yeah. right away. And then it's like, once that traction's built, then they're more likely to keep up that consistency because as you well know, consistent content is key to turning a lead into a pro, you know, a hot lead into a customer because especially with weddings, when people are searching for a vendor, like they're searching for a vendor and they're going to make a decision pretty quick. They have a date for their, you know, most likely they have some sort of date and they're going to make a decision. It's either going to be you or it's going to be some other vendor. And so if you're staying in touch and you're staying top of mind, then you're more likely to win that deal. Absolutely. And so for people who don't really understand, because again, until I went to a couple um, tech conferences that have nothing to do with my industry, Mm -hmm. which I'm so grateful that I was taught by a mentor, like go out of your industry and get out there and learn some different shit and then bring it back to your industry and teach them. Mm-hmm. So I didn't understand. Um, I didn't know what a lead magnet was and yeah. I didn't Now I had a bunch of them, but I didn't know that's what it was, Yeah, which some people call it a juicy carrot, like hanging carrot, whatever to be cute. Then I didn't know what cold traffic was. I didn't mm-hmm. know what hot, I didn't warm hot. I didn't know what any of that meant. So if you'll take us back a a moment and explain like to brand new people who are trying to understand like what exactly do those terms mean? 
Yeah, so a lead magnet is, is essentially some sort of piece of content or discount that you receive in exchange for giving your email address. So if you shop online, you've probably seen um, on all your favorite, you know, uh, Nordstrom's or any sort of boutique store, it's, hey, enter your email and get 10% off. So that is a lead magnet. And the reason why those e-commerce stores do that is because they know if they have your email, not only can they get you to make the first purchase, but they'll likely get you to make a second, third, and fourth purchase because they now have a way to stay in contact with you. And so you're essentially trying to do the same thing with your site as someone in the event space. So instead of a discount, because typically as a service provider, you don't want to discount your services. Um, you may have some sort of um, piece of educational content that's gated, meaning someone can't access it unless they give their email address. So for example, um, I was working with a wedding planner in Bermuda and we put together um, a lead magnet that was um, the five best wedding venues in Bermuda, knowing that her clients typically are looking for venues and that's the first thing they're looking for. And we're just putting together the venues that she already has with some pictures and, you know, um, guest count that, you know, and some other items that help someone make an informed decision and they can only access that piece of content if they give their email address. So really a lead magnet is just a sexy way of saying a piece of content that requires an email address. And guys, like something that I really had to get out of my head is that if you have a craft and you're an expert at it or you're amazing at it, we actually take for granted mm -hmm. the things that we do every single day. We're like, that's common sense. It's easy. I'll never, the very first video that I did it was years ago that was like BTS. I'm like, what the hell is that? My braining guy was like, <laughs> the scenes and people eat it up. And I'm like, no, no, I sell perfection. I only show mm. when shit is perfect and it's mm. beautiful. And he's like, no, no, you're missing the boat. That's not what, that's not what's going to resonate with your audience. And again, I didn't understand all this, right? Yeah. And he's like, and actually, Ange, that's not who you are. You love to educate people and show them how to get there because I'm around you. And I'm like, okay. So it was a wedding weekend years ago. And he's like, so what are you doing tonight? It was a Friday night. I'm like, tonight I'm going to roll these washcloths in um, hundreds of them because we, we had an outdoor wedding the next day and I'm going to slice up cucumbers and then I'm going to stack them like this and put them in my freezer and I have no food in my freezer so they would fit. And um, so then the next day and he's like, okay, I want you to video that. And I'm like, what? Like, this is stupid. Like, this is mm -hmm. common sense. Mm -hmm. And I'm in my robe. <laughs> so, and, but whenever he put it out there, like, I'm like, why are people watching this? This is so dumb. But then I started to realize the more he had me put content out there, the more I took for granted, like, oh, people really don't know this stuff. Like, and I am helping them. And it actually made me feel good when people would reach out and they're like, oh my gosh, this is a great idea. Like I work in the Caribbean and I noticed that resorts do that, but I never knew that they soaked hundreds of washcloths in a bathtub with cucumbers. <laughs> and so if you have a craft, like take a step back and realize, get out of your own little bubble and understand like you can really help a lot of people. And I noticed on your website, like at the very top, you have a lead magnet right away, mm -hmm. but you're giving value. Mm -hmm. So you're saying like the four top mistakes that people can make mm -hmm. and download here. 
So like you said, it's a give get. So don't give your email or your phone number unless you're getting valuable information like lead magnet. And then would you say an easy way to talk about traffic, cold traffic, people have no clue who you are, what you do. Mm -hmm. Warm is they're, they look like they're going to buy, but they haven't bought. And then hot is like, they know who you are. They bought for you from you before. Is that a good way to say it? Yeah, I think that's great. Um, Another way I like to think about it is like someone's ready to make a decision, a purchase decision now or very soon. And so those type of people are likely to reach out on your contact form. Um, But the people who are, hey, I'm not quite ready to talk to Angela, for example, but I just want to learn a little more about her services. Those are the people who are going to download your lead magnet because they're shopping around. They're trying to get an idea for who's going to be a good fit, but they're not yet ready to have the sales conversation. Gotcha. So in your experience of planning your wedding, Oh my gosh. Yeah. What what are your observations of the wedding community in terms of understanding the digital marketing world? Like what stories can you share? So many. So let me set the stage a little bit. I'm getting, I live in Colorado and we're getting married in the mountains. So it's, you know, a small mountain town, which can feel a little bit like it's on island time um, in terms of, you know, how quick you get responses back and um, that sort of stuff. So I'll just share a couple stories. So our wedding venue is beautiful, fabulous. The owner's great. Um, but she, you know, doesn't really have a contract. So I had to ask for one. Um, and then when she sent it over, it was not in word document. It was just all in an email. And I said, okay, I'm going to format this for you and put it in a word document. And then when I was reading through some of the clauses, I said, you know, I'm not comfortable with some of these clauses, can we adjust it? And she said, oh, well, I never actually take action on that. It's just a template. And I said, okay, well, then we don't need it in here. (laughs) And then, you know, when we're paying, you know, we have multiple payments and we get no purchase receipts. And so I'm like, hey, can you please send me a purchase receipt so I know that you've received our money and where we're at, you know, have we paid three quarters? Like, I don't even know if you've received this check. And so I get this purchase receipt from her, which is basically a link to a photo on Google Photos, which I'm not even sure. I didn't even know people use that still, but, and it's her and a friend kayaking and it says, we've received your payment. And I just about died. I was like, okay, I, let me come in after this wedding's done. I'm going to help you set up some processes as a thank you. But like, you know, so that was one experience. Um, And she has a gorgeous venue and she's booked out like all year. So, you know, that's, it's this dichotomy that I've seen, at least in this region where it's like, Hey, these are the top vendors, but their processes are very far behind and they don't give you a sense of confidence. Like I keep joking with my um, fiance. I'm like, I hope she knows we're having a wedding and that (laughs) it's happening on that day, you know? Um, And so it doesn't, it doesn't instill confidence. And I actually think what I've seen is that if vendors thought a little bit more about the back end delivery of their services and how to process, not only would it make their lives easier, but it's, it's a sales tool that helps the potential client say, yes, this is who I'm going to go with. 
because their stuff is streamlined they know what they're doing they're answering quickly they're educating you about the process because most people who are getting married it's probably their first time and they don't know anything about what this involves or what the process is like so yeah that would be my major observation is just people are spending a lot of money for this big day and it might not feel like a big day for a vendor because they do you know i don't know a hundred of them yeah but you, yeah, there's thinking about what experience the prospect and client is going through, I think is a sales and marketing tool in itself. Absolutely. Like, well, and for me personally, I think some of the reasons we have our processes so buttoned up is because of so much weird shit happening. Like, I mean, we had a couple that completely filed bankruptcy. I mean, they were con artists. Like, it needed to be on, like, Dateline. This is a long time ago, but we were drugged to court, and (gasps) it was just – it was a fabulous learning lesson of what not to do. And I was – a lot of people in this industry, like, they love people, and they have passion for making people happy. That's what drives them, not money. And money's a tool. So – they don't and, and money talking about money and a wedding and it's emotional and it can be uncomfortable but as a business owner until something happens to you you don't know legally what yeah. you're really responsible for yeah. and because there's so many hobbyists in the industry that just love to do it because they love people um they don't understand the responsibility like as a business owner, like you just said, people are spending a lot of money and we're coming from all over typically with destination stuff on the rise and investing in travel. And I've never really thought about it that way of like instilling confidence in people like, Oh, this vendor or this person has their stuff together. Um, we work with a lot of like awesome photographers. They're super creative video people too. Mm -hmm. But if they're new to me and the client hired them before I'm involved, ask a lot of questions like, how do you back your photo and video up? Do you Mm -hmm. download your footage on a, do you back it up in the cloud before you leave the building? Do you, and they look at me like I'm literally psycho Mm. and I'm like, (laughs) well, I'm asking you this because We've had stuff, a a photographer had her purse stolen on the way out of a venue and all my bride's pictures were gone and all we had, what was on Facebook and everyone was trashed and their picture, they had no good pictures. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I've had an intern drop a hard drive and the files were corrupted from the videographer. And so when I tell these stories, people kind of look at me like, are you serious? Like that really happened? I'm like, don't be that person where it's like, oh, that'll never happen to me because right. it, it just, it sucks. So like pre-plan ahead. Um, so as a bride and then also like it, as a digital person, did you actually search for vendors online or is it more a word of mouth? Like you ask around community? Yeah, both. So, so another example is, um, once we got our venue booked, I was asking our venue owner if she had recommendations just because it's a small, there's not that, there's not that much competition. There's only like three vendors, you know, that will um, service this particular area in, you know, in whether it's uh, catering or photographer anyway. So she recommended a certain photographer. And so I got on the phone with him, which took a while. Um, and I let him know our budget ahead of time and he met our budget. And, um, 
you know, I couldn't find any information about him online. Like I couldn't find a portfolio. I couldn't find anything. And I'm like, Hey, can you send me your portfolio? And he said, Oh yeah, no problem. I'll send it. Anyways, four weeks go by. I still haven't received the portfolio. And I'm like, in the meantime, I've been searching for someone else because I'm like, <laughs> you know, I want to look at this guy's photos before we book him, you know? And so anyways, I found someone else and she was the same budget, um, you know, same price. And had a beautiful portfolio. I was able to find it online. She had a very clear process. Here's how things work. And in four weeks I had booked her, you know, meanwhile, this guy four weeks later is like, Oh yeah, by the way, here's my portfolio. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> sorry, but we already booked someone else, you know? So I think, I think when you realize, especially in the wedding industry that yeah, people may go by word of mouth, but they're also going to be double checking on what you say you do online, especially if it's something that's visually driven. Like if you are a planner and you're helping plan the design of a wedding, or if you're the photographer, they want to see examples of what you've done. And if you don't have an easy way for someone to access that, then, you know, they're likely going to go with someone else. Um, so and you did. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause I was like, if you can't get back to me in a month with your, a link to your portfolio, then how do I know that you're going to show up right. for a wedding and do a good job? You know, if, if you can't perform this one basic task, you know, and you don't seem to care about my business much. So right. I, again, that was another example for me of, okay, I don't have much confidence in this vendor. Um, right. So I don't know. I think, I think because my guess is that you guys get so busy. You guys are working every weekend, especially during high season, that it's easy to push some of that off. Um, oh, yeah. But you know, an assistant or someone else can handle a lot of that back end process once you define it for them and you don't have to be involved in the day to day. Um, you know, or you just have some email templates that get sent out you, that you copy and paste every time you get an inquiry um, that just, there's small things that go a long way and they don't have to be super labor intensive. Well, this is a great kind of segue into my next question because so like, again, a lot of people are hobbyists. They're a one man woman or one man show. And something I realized as a young business owner, I could not do everything, even though I'm a control freak. I found people who were actually better at the stuff than I was. And they totally would own it, but we had processes in place. Now we're constantly changing and updating and working together and communicating together. But in terms of automation, like you just said, it, it, if you are a one-man person show for now, then there are automation tools and yeah. things you can use out there. So I know that you pre-qualify your leads to create a great customer experience, a customer journey before they even become a customer. Mm -hmm. So on, on the automation side, I know you said, you know, have a few email templates, but what are, what's your thought process in like how automation and time is d directly connected to customer service and how can people, what, if, if they don't have any automation in their company, like what's the first step to automate an email? Yeah. So there's a lot of great tools out there. Um, one in, per well, one in particular that works well for your industry is called Dubsado. Um, and basically where I would start is from the point of inquiry and then work backwards. What happens once someone inquires 
and what in that process can you automate and then just start from there. Um, and so, okay, someone reaches out, do they then jump on a call with you? Do you have a, um, a calendar where they book that call with you in an automated way? Um, just like for this podcast interview, uh, your assistant sent me a link and I got to pick a time, right? But you didn't have to be involved in that process at all. Um, right. So I would just work from the point of inquiry and then start automating there. But yeah, if you can, if you can get a second person, even for a couple hours a week to take that process out of your head and, and put it in some sort of automated tool. Um, that's my best recommendation because you can't be doing everything. And like you said, Angela, um, as a control freak, it can be, and I'm one too, <laughs> it can be tempting to say, I'm the only one who knows how to do this and no one can do it better than me. And most of the time we are wrong. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, getting over that ego a little bit and saying, you know what, let me have someone take this off my plate so I can focus my time on the things I truly am a genius at and no one else can do. Um, and typically if you're the creative person, systems are not your zone of genius. So give that to someone else, um, you know, and put a tool in place and you could just hire someone to help with this project for one time. And then once it's in place, it could run presumably a lot of it could run by itself if it's automated and set up correctly. And I feel like in the wedding industry, especially, and I was that girl years ago where automation was coming out and my friends were using it, but they're not in my industry. And they're like, and you work too hard. Like 80% of what you're doing can be automated. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like <laughs> it's a, it's a personal experience and we treat everyone. And, and again, like we pre-qualify, we use psychology based yep. on there there's four different personalities and methodology that we use. And so my, one of my friends, Ed, he's like, I'm going to take you to this convention and it's all about automation and you're going to learn. And he's like, you're an idiot. And he's like, you don't know what you don't know because you can pre-build out four different email <laughs> sequences <laughs> based on their personality, based on how they answer your inquiry form on your website. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> like automation's really smart, you guys. And yeah. like, You've just got to keep an open mind. And I'm also like very upfront with people and I talk about it a lot. I'm like, hey, technology is not perfect, um, but usually it is more perfect than a human. And so if something sends you an email and you're like, I already did that, like just ignore it. I mean, you're in an automated sequence on a planning and some people come in in different stages, yeah. so, but so much, I mean, we spent a year building out a sequence for mm -hmm. people that come in that have 12 months, eight months, six mm -hmm. months, three months, you know, and planning to try to automate some of these just little reminders yeah. and people appreciate it. Sometimes it aggravates people because they're like, I've already done that. I'm like, again, you're, you're in, you're in a sequence. Like it's just a reminder. <laughs> you're ahead of the game. Good job. Yeah. You get a cookie. Um, <laughs> but it helps way more than it hurts the business. And it's like elevating customer service. Um, and it, and again, like it just, it helps, like you said, instill confidence in your person that is going to hire you for the most important day of their life at that time. Um, so yeah, it's super important. Like, yeah. And you, it doesn't have to be, I mean, yours, your automation sounds amazing, but for anyone who's listening, that's like, oh my God, I can't 
I can't spend a year and I don't even know where I'd start building that out. I mean, it could be as simple as in the example I gave you with the venue owner where it's like, Hey, I spoke with someone on the phone. Here's the contract that gets sent out. And once it's signed, a purchase receipt gets sent out. I mean, that could be your automation yeah, and that could really level up the customer experience. Yeah. Step one, you, you got to start somewhere. Right. And the reason it took us so long is because people were waiting on me and oh. <laughs> you just said we're in busy season. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like six months out of the year, I'm so checked out of working on my business because I'm working in my business because I'm servicing clients. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, you, you kind of, um, you just have to take the leap of starting somewhere. And I'm the kind of person where it's like, I want to build it all and I want to test it before we release it. Cause yep. I'm psycho again, goes back to my control issues. <laughs> um, but that's not always a good idea because you can actually be perfecting it as you go. And so I've been learning to like, let go and let's start testing things early and then we'll build it because sometimes we build things um, like sales funnels and we'll put it out there and then there's not a big response. Yeah. And yeah. if you just ask your audience, what do you want? How can we help? People will tell you exactly yeah. what they want. And then you build automation around that. So that's been like an aha thing. Like, Oh, just ask people. And what, what we think is experts and what people need is two different things. Very much so. So again, like some yeah, I have to like, in my terms, like dumb it down, but really they, they don't live in our world every day. So like, we don't understand it. Um, and I think back to my healthcare days in psychology and working in mental health, like a lot of what I learned in people, I, I don't see that being carried through psychologically mm -hmm. through any industry, but mm -hmm. when you can bring that expertise in the background and share it with others, it just, it goes a long way. Um, so for people who want to know more about lead nurturing and yeah. lead generation, I kind of feel like if you're not going to nurture your leads, just, you should not do lead generation. <laughs> yeah. I hundred percent agree. Although uh, that's often a battle I'm fighting, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So explain to our listeners what exactly does that mean yeah so lead generation would be like hey you're getting a new lead and lead nurturing would be how the process that i'm going to run that lead through to turn them into a customer and i think the mistake that business owners often make in in many industries um is kind of what I like to call the buy now or goodbye forever approach. So if someone's not ready to buy right now, then we often ignore them and we uh, pretend, you know, we just focus on the next new hot lead. And the reality is most people need some time before they're ready to make a purchase decision. And so nurturing just allows you to stay in touch and stay top of mind while they're making that decision. So the simplest way to get started with lead nurturing is just let me create some sort of e consistent email content because you've grabbed that person's email address and just send it to them. Maybe it's every two weeks, maybe it's every week, maybe it's every month, depending on 
where they're at in the sales process. And you could also set this up in an automated way. Like as soon as they inquire, you have 12 emails that get sent out over six weeks that educate them about the process and why you're the right person to do the job. Um, but it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be perfect content. It just has to be consistent. And if you're consistent, what you'll find is that you are probably 95% better than everyone else in your industry. And so that alone will win you the lead. Yeah. People think I'm crazy of like in December, we'll go away for a whole week, my team and I, and we, and we completely unplug and we build out 52 weeks mm -hmm. and we talk about our previous experiences over the year of what we did, what didn't work, what did work and just share stories um, to help educate people. And we go ahead and set it all up. So when we are in busy season, there's by default, there's already 52 things each week to fall back on. Yeah. Now, yes, things come up and yes, life happens and things in the world happen and you can still keep up with that and stay relevant. But if you get too crazy busy, you forget about that consistent content, which I've seen how it works and I know how it works I've seen, and we track the numbers. And so I know that that is a huge part of my business is being consistent. So what, how, how do you train your clients to create consistent content? Do they do it weekly, monthly, and do they have a calendar? Like, how would you tell someone to get started in creating consistent content? Yeah, I follow a similar approach to you in which I recommend batching the content in advance yes. because as you said, when you're servicing clients and customers, you just, the last thing you're going to do is sit down and write content at the end of the day. Um, so depending on the rhythm of the business, like in your case, I think it's fabulous that you do that once a year, um, especially because your high season is nonstop <laughs> for yeah. about six months. Um, but in my own business, I follow kind of a 90 day every, um, every quarter I batch content, but it, it depends on what you're selling and what works for you. I wouldn't do it weekly. I think that's too frequent and you're realistically not going to set aside the time. So I would start with either batching a month at a time, batching 90 days or even batching the whole year. And, and whatever you think you can realistically set the, um, when you can set aside time and when you'll actually commit to it. But what I like about your approach for the year is that when someone's reaching out for an event or a wedding, that process, even though trends change and there's hot topics that come up, the process is really the same. Um, mm -hmm. So you can afford to do it a year in advance because, you know, most of that's not going to change. You might talk about colors that are coming up, but even then you're going to know that ahead of time. Um, you know, there, but what it takes to start planning a wedding, the timeline you have to follow when you need to have things done by, that's really not going to change. So I think if you can follow your lead and set aside the time once a year, that's fabulous. Yeah. We really try to push time blocking and yeah. that's why like even these podcasts, we record once a month for podcasts. We record mm -hmm. for videos once a month and they're, it, and it's out of my hands, you know, then I have a team that like takes it and does whatever they 
do with it. But in some people, they're like, well, I don't have a team. I'm like, well, guess what? I did all this shit by myself for a little bit. <laughs> and then I quickly realized that I can't be my best self and helping and sharing what I'm doing without investing in other people, which by the way, people, when they're helping you, it frees you up and we're actually more profitable when I outsource. Yeah because it frees up my time. So it, I mean, it's like a catch 22, but you've got to have people around you to grow. And, um, and I love like the whole nurturing process. Cause we have people on our email list that have been on it for years and they've never bought anything mm -hmm. and that's okay. Um, but then it's like something resonates with them and it's the right time for them and their business. And they're like, hey, I know you've had this program for two years, but I, I'm, I have the money now and I'm ready. And I've been listening to all of your free resources. And so like you were saying, just because someone doesn't buy immediately doesn't mean they're not going to become a customer. Right. So don't get frustrated. Now with brides, it's a little bit different because they are on a timeline. <laughs> right. Right. Um, we don't do a lot of like legion stuff for broad because it is in our community. It is a good old boy town. It's very mm -hmm. word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a little bit different, but you have to take it by industry and see what yeah. works in your industry. And so what are your thoughts on tracking and metrics and knowing that all of the marketing efforts, how do you know if they're actually working and how long do you think people should hang with it because guys, this is not an overnight thing. Yeah. Like, do you like the 90 day approach or do you feel like it's longer? Like what are your favorite metrics for people to track these things? Yeah. So there's really three things that I, at a bare minimum, um, I like clients to track and you can track this, uh, for the most part, just by having Google analytics in place. But the first Which is, is free. Free. Yeah, which is free. So the first is what are the key actions on your website? So typically there's two things there is inquiry form submissions and potentially lead magnet downloads if, if you are following our advice and getting a lead magnet up. So that would be the first thing I'd track. The second thing I'd track would be your sales volume and sales revenue, which you are probably already tracking anyways. Um, and then the third, which you'll also see in Google Analytics, is what is the traffic volume across your whole website and which channels are sending traffic your way? Um, and that's really it. And I just look at that monthly and you're just trying to beat your metrics monthly. Um, and so, Hey, am I doing better this month than I did last month? And you're just trying to continue to improve upon those. Now, if you have a high season, then you may have some seasonality there. So you may have six months that are stellar and then, you know, six months where you don't get a lot of inquiries. So I would, take that into consideration, but you just want to keep an eye on your numbers. So you what, know what your normal numbers are because most people don't even have any clue. Oh, how much traffic do I get and where, what channels are driving that traffic and which channels generate inquiry form submissions. Um, and those kind of basics, if you don't know those numbers then it's really hard to track the performance of your marketing when you're investing in something like social media or SEO and at the end of the day, you don't want to be throwing money down the drain. You want to know, is the money that I'm investing in my, in my business generating growth? Yeah. And even if you're not spending money right now, some really great like aha moments that I've had at a coach years ago 
who um, he's like, you tend to work with a lot of the same vendors over and over. And he's like, is that because you get a commission or they pay you for referrals? And I'm like, no, actually it has nothing to do with that. Um, We are just another vendor as a planner and a designer. So we get paid regardless. Like I'm not relying on other people's sales to run my business. And so, and, and a lot of people don't understand. So he had me sit down and go through the previous year of all the events, all the weddings, when we use those vendors, add up how much we brought to their business it's, it's just a good thing to know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I was shocked. And again, I love my vendors who are not business people. They're creative people. And I'm like, hey, did you know, like last year we did $1.7 million with your rental company? Uh-huh. And it shocks me how people are like, how did you know that? Literally. One guy wow. asked me, he's like, how'd you, how'd you, I'm like, we added up all your, um, estimates and the bills and <laughs> and um he's like oh I don't I should track where my business is coming from from mm-hmm. all of you different planners mm-hmm. and then the top three every year like maybe we should send a Christmas gift or something I'm like well that's not why I'm doing this but yeah that might be like you nurture your business people um, or just a thank you note. Like I, I don't love paper, but I do get like really nice <laughs> written notes. Yeah. I do love them. But it's just like it's good to be aware of where things are coming. And then as you're growing and getting bigger, like I did a fundraiser for my sister last year. And I'd ne- I never asked for free stuff. Like I hate it when people do mm-hmm. it to me because it costs me money to run a business. So I didn't expect any discount. I didn't ask for it. And so many of my vendors came back and they're like, and you've given us X amount of business over the years. Like we're going to donate a tent. We're going to donate the tables. We're going to do it. I'm, you know, and it's just like, but again, they're more aware now of the relationship. And a lot of the business owners, because they are growing and Nashville is just growing crazy for, especially for events and weddings. The, the owners are busy and it's like their salesperson or their day-to-day people that know where the business is coming from. And the owners aren't even paying attention, which yeah. isn't really good sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah. But it makes sense. If you know, Hey, Angela is sending me 1.7 million in business. Of course, once in a while, I would want to send you a gift or keep that relationship going because if that dries up then you know, where am I going to replace that revenue from? Um, and at the end of the day, right. you're in the people business, both in terms of, you know, word of mouth from customers, but word of mouth from vendors. And so if you treat your vendors well, you'll get more referral business from, from those vendors as well. So I think it's a, a give and take there too. And just tracking those basic numbers gives you an idea of where things stand in the business and where to put more time and attention to, for growth opportunities. Yeah, which is awesome. Like I know um, one question that someone will ask is where do you recommend clients start a lead magnet? Yeah. So I would think about what is the question you always get from inquiries that is um, eventually leads to a customer. So for example, um, 
you know, if you're, let's, let's talk through something for you, Angela, what, what do people always ask you right off the bat when they reach out? Uneducated clients, they ask how much is this going to cost? Okay. So I don't, I, let's talk about a qualified, <laughs> a qualified, um, because when someone's talking about price, they're not thinking about everything that you're bringing to the table. Um, and, and we don't want this to be a price discussion. We want this to be, here's why I'm the best fit for you. So beyond price, what is the other question they ask? Well, most people that come in now, they'll say they, because again, we put so much content out yeah. there. They'll actually, there's not, there's not that many questions. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, you're the psychology girl. You're the technology girl. Um, you're the design girl. Like we want to meet with you and hire you. Like, because yeah. we put so much content out right. there, there's very few questions. Um, but I feel like, be, again, going back to content, yeah. we really try to eliminate any questions that are going to come in because we've already answered those with like video or lean magnets because yeah. we do have a funnel set up when people go to the website and they fill out the form and they want help with a wedding or an event. Um, yet we send them down a funnel. So by the time we meet with them, a lot of those questions that quite frankly in this day and time aggravate me because <laughs> I'm like, we've been doing this for almost 20 years. Um, so, but where you're going with this is when we, most brides have the same questions. Yeah. And so what we have done over the years is used our blog as a resource. And so every time we get a question, we put that question and an answer on the blog and then we pretty much potty train our people that if you have a question, type it in the blog. If there's no answer, we'll do a blog on it. And that has helped us organically build SEO traffic. Yeah. And then, so the questions that we get now are very minimal because yeah. of that, because we've done that work already. So, so that's fabulous. Your leads are very sales ready. Um, but for someone who's not in that position, I think if they just, if you just sit down and say, here are the five questions I get asked a lot by my inquiries and you think about, okay, which one of these would create, would make a great piece of content. So in the example I gave you, there was a wedding planner and she gets asked about wh which venues, um, should I look at because they're yeah. on an Island and there's only so many venues and they're often dictated by headcount. Um, and so we just put together a really beautiful guide that just showed some pictures of the venues. It's not, I mean, it's not even that much content. It's the name of the venue, the headcount and two sentences. And I think something along those lines makes a really great lead magnet. And it's, even though it often feels like, oh, someone could Google this, it's going to take them time and effort to Google it. And mm -hmm. you have a lot of background knowledge that really isn't on Google. Like, Hey, this is a great venue during May because we're not in our rainy season. Or if you're looking for something really modern, um, this is the place to be and you want an all-inclusive experience. So there's just, there's some tidbits that you know as the expert that the brides are, it's going to be very hard for them to find on Google and you can put together something really compelling. So my recommendation on what kind of content you create is look at the questions you get asked most, but don't make it a lead magnet on pricing unless you're really trying to weed out people, um, you know, right off the bat and you want pricing included in there.
Yeah, it's all about, and well, and for us, it's like the experience. You either value what we do and our expertise because we've been doing it for so long. And it's not about price. Like you can't put a value on what some of these people do. (laughs) So when people are like, oh, how much does it cost? I'm like, really? What we do is priceless because that's what clients say when they've gone through the whole process with us. I'm like not trying to be a smart No, no. It's just, it's hard to put a number on some of these things. But at the end of the day, we run a business. And even though it's emotional and even though there's a strategy and a process, like there's a cost to running a business and doing business with people. And the more expertise, the more relationships, the more the business is going to be established, you're going to pay for those expertise. So yeah, that's... Yeah. And you can include that information, for example, on your inquiry form or on the follow-up and you can say the minimum, you know, our pricing starts at X um, and you can weed out people that way. Um, And that's a really easy way to do it where you're not giving necessarily an estimate, but you're just letting them know, here's our threshold. And if you're under this, We'd love to serve you, but we're probably not a great fit. Yeah. And it's okay. Like we're not for everybody. (laughs) So it's okay. This has been awesome. Like, and you guys like, so Lauren's prepared a special set of resources, like just for our listeners, which is amazing. So if you go to bixamedia.com slash Angela Profit, two F's, two T's, and we'll also link this in the show notes, she's going to give you access, which this is amazing. Thank you so much. And it's a free resource library that includes on-demand trainings and worksheets. So you can use to implement some of the things and the strategies that we've been talking about today which is so generous. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. And I, I'm just so passionate about helping business owners grow what they've created because I think it's so brave to start your own thing. And I just, I, I don't know, those are my people and I just, anything I can do to help people grow their kind of nest egg and grow their creation, I think is, um, I don't know. I just think it's a really special path to go down and it takes a brave person to create their own business. So I just, it's my pleasure to provide anything I can to help out. Awesome. Well guys, one more time. The link is Bixa Media, B-I-X-A media.com slash Angela Profit. And be sure to check out the resource library on-demand trainings, worksheets. Don't recreate the wheel. Just use what works because we know what works. And Lauren, best of luck on your wedding. I'm so excited Thank you. Thank you. I wish you were here in in Denver. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I should have hired Angela. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I wish, like we actually, we've done a few things in Colorado. Um, It's been a while, but you know, a lot of people, they don't, you don't know what you don't know until you like get into it. But I know it's going to be awesome. Thank you. Um, You'll have to send us some photos. I will. I will. We can share. Well, thanks everybody for listening today and be sure to tune in next week, next Tuesday for our, another episode of business unveiled. So you don't miss any of the juicy details on how to build your business and have a great day. Bye everybody. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. And I'm so very grateful if you leave a review. Be sure you are a subscriber so you never, ever miss the juicy details of Business Unveiled. Also, be sure that you are part of my email list. And if you're not, 
Sign up today at AngelaProfit.com, where I share valuable resources and exclusive products with only my subscribers. Now, before I go, I want to ask you, if you have a story or a product to share with the creative industry, please let me know. To be considered as a guest on Business Unveiled, visit AngelaProfit.com and submit a podcast guest form. Until next time, remember to stay productive and profitable. You've been listening to Business Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time as we share our experiences to help you be more productive and profitable in your creative business. For more great resources, visit AngelaProfit.com.